Hi, and welcome to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message. The Gospel of John was written to prove that Jesus is indeed the Messiah and that those who believe in Him will have eternal life. Now let's join Pastor Brent for our verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John. Let's ask God something crazy like, help us to obey His commands. I dare you, and let's see if God doesn't grant that request. Are you following what we're doing? Church, that is what true disciples of Christ do. We recognize our failure, and then we surrender ourselves to the true vine who produces much good fruit through us. Isn't that cool? This is why I've often said Christianity is amazing psychology because we have all of this confidence and no pride. We can be completely humble and at the same time know that the power of the living God is producing good things through us. Not because I'm a great person, but because he's a great God. Church, that's what true disciples of Christ do. And God is glorified for it. God is glorified whenever we stop and say, Lord... I'm going to ask you something crazy here. I'm angry at so-and-so, but I'm going to ask you to help me to divinely love them. Help me to bless them in a way that will blow their mind. Jesus says, ask. If that's what you want, ask it, and he'll grant it. What if the church is mobilized into divinely, supernaturally blessing people. Hmm. Just saying. Jesus said that if we asked, he'd answer. You know what? We're going to pray here in a little bit, so if you're getting nervous, you should leave now. (laughs) Number two (laughs) is if you don't ask, I'm going to ask for you. (laughs) And uh, God and I have been talking, so... (laughs) You know, we know the ones that need the more work. All right, number two. I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. Number two, remain in the true vine. He's already said this, but verse nine, he says, I have loved you. All oh, this just kind of transitions here. If, if I could go back and rename this, I would have to change the bulletin, so I didn't. But it, this is about our relationship, our love relationship with Christ. Jesus says, I have loved you. How? How? Even as God the Father has loved me. It's, the whole, it's God the Father's holy love for God the Son. How does Jesus love us? Just as the Father loves Him. Does that make your heart go pitter-patter? Happy Valentine's Day, by the way. You ought to feel loved. Are you worthy of it? No. But you are. Some of you went, just, what? I'm not, what? I'm not worthy of the, no, you're not. You stink. (laughs) Jesus says, I have loved you, Peter. I have loved you, Judas, even as the Father has loved me. Hang on to that. And then he says to them, remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, uh uh-oh. You remain in my love. How do we remain in his love? By obeying his commandments. Has he already told this before? Yes. That's why I'm going through it fast. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love 
just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in His love. So he tells us about that relationship. He is obedient to the Father. Father, He remains in the Father's love. Verse 11, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Got that picture in your brain? If there ever has been a reason to remain in Jesus, it is because he loves you in all of your glory. I'm being sarcastic. He loves you even as the Father has loved him. I know it sounds, it sounds impossible that God the Father, that Jesus could love you like God the Father loves him, but that's what the scriptures tell us. It's true. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Here's what makes miserable church members. Don't look around right now. Here's what makes church people miserable. Is when you want to remain in Jesus, you want to remain in Jesus, but you don't want to obey his commands. Right? I mean, I would like to to sow some seeds of selfishness every once in a while. I know I'm not the only one that does that from time to time. But there's some times that I just want to do me. And me is ugly sometimes. I just need to sow some seeds of selfishness, of sinfulness. But I still want to reap the produce of eternal life. Here again, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands because I've seen you. I know most of you. We want to dabble in the sinful side and get justification for all of those boneheads out there. And then we want to come to church and celebrate that he has given us eternal life, right? I believe that the most miserable people on the planet are church people who want the benefits of Christianity without actually following Jesus. Does that make sense? But Brent, what what commandments are we supposed to be obeying? I mean, in soap, we just finished, I think we finished reading through Leviticus. Oh, Lord, have mercy. That's a tough one. Verse 12, Jesus continues, This is my commandment. One this time. I have one commandment for you, as opposed to the 600 and I think three or two or 600, I don't know, 600 and some odd in the Old Testament. Jesus comes along and he says, this is my commandment. Love each other, here's the kicker, in the same way I have loved you. Does that seem familiar from previous text? What command are our followers of Christ supposed to keep? Love each other in the same way that Christ loved us. He goes on. Because now, now we're thinking back to what Jesus has previously said after he washed the feet of the disciples. And he says, love one another like I've loved you. 
And we're thinking serving, right? But then he adds verse 13, because with God, with God, you think I've arrived. I can love my brothers. I'll wash their feet. Whatever. No big deal. And then we come to verse 13, and he says, There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. He just upped it from washing feet to giving your life to serve one another, to love one another. And then he does something incredible here. The Son of God himself is with these men who are not great men. And he says, you are my friends if you do what I command, which was love each other. He says, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my My friends, the Son of God comes to earth, leaves the throne room of heaven, becomes a man, dwells among us, walks with us, and then he says, you're my friend. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father has told me. It's such a simple concept, but an impossible task. Jesus has modeled it. He even sends the Holy Spirit to live. We talked about this last week. He even sends the Holy Spirit to live where? In us. So that we can accomplish this incredible task of love each other in the same way that I have loved you. This time Jesus is not only referring to washing someone's feet. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for his own friends. The standard just got raised. Just as Jesus modeled loving, serving one another by washing the feet of the disciples, Jesus also modeled loving, laying down his life for his own friends, for you and I. I give up my life for the benefit of my friends. I love others so much that I'll, uh uh-oh, listen carefully. I, because of the Holy Spirit present in my life, because I am in the vine and the vine is in me, I will love others so much that I will deny my own desires, my own self-interests, my own safety and security for the benefit of my friends, just because that is what Jesus did for me. Wow. Jesus left heaven, put on a man suit to live with us, to live a sinless life that we just sang about, and then to die wrongly accused, to be crucified, give his life so that you can have life. Did he need to do that? (laughs) No. No. Why did he do it? I have no idea. But he did. Because he loves us. He loves us so much. Are you worthy of it? No. Is that person that makes you angry worthy of it? No. Is it worth you modeling Christ and leaving your safety and security, your own desire to tell them that they're wrong? Uh Uh-oh. And go and serve them and love them as Christ loves you. Yeah, that's the model. That's following Christ is when we act like Christ. We act like Christ when we love people that there's no justifiable reason for loving. You okay? 
That just felt like it hit a wall. What? We're supposed to love people? Yeah, but we're supposed to give our lives for those that we can't see a lovable reason. We're a long way away from laying down our lives for others. We politely, oh, I said this several weeks ago and it got repeated several times. We, we politely ignore each other. I'll love you from a distance. Because if I get to know you very well, and if you get to know me very well, at some point we're going to butt heads. So instead of modeling Christ relationships and fighting and everybody knowing that we have a Holy Spirit problem inside of us, I'll just avoid you. Then everybody will think that I'm a good follower of a Christ because I haven't yelled at you today. That is not Christianity. It's not. I mean, that's the Christianity, modern Christianity. It doesn't mean you're going to go to heaven. It just means that you avoid people so that, you don't, so that they don't see the devil inside of you. Oh, Brent, stick to your notes. This is why you make notes. <clears throat> Here we go. Put this pulpit in full gear here. Verse 16. Oh, I like this. This is a great, great text. This messes with people's brains. Where are we at? Oh, what happened to time? I dawdled too much somewhere along the way. Verse 16. You didn't choose me. I chose you. Jesus is speaking. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you Whatever you ask for using my name, this is my command. Love each other. Church, listen to. If Man, we could probably, we could, we could spend a week on this, these two verses right here. Jesus didn't choose you so that you could better achieve your own agenda. Jesus chose you so that you could better love each other. To the degree that he says it like, 20 times in three chapters. <laughs> and then we go, I'm just not sure what the will of God is. <laughs> Those are the people I want to thump in the eyeball. It's not a, not a divine fruit moment for me. It's just totally the flesh. But I'm like, really? Is that, how's your Bible working there? Can, can you read? He tells us over and over, love each other. Jesus chose you so that you, for the purpose of loving each other in the same way that he loves you, which is the same way that the living God loves him. This is the third time Jesus tells his followers that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. The third time Jesus says, ask anything you want and the Father will give it to you. I think... What Jesus is directing us to ask for, mostly because he says it multiple times, but I think, you know, it's the, uh, the spirit of discernment. Whenever Jesus says it three times, I think I know what he means. Jesus is directing us to ask for is for you and I to be able to sincerely love others exactly as Jesus loves us, that we would ask God the Father in the name of Jesus to help us to be able to lay our lives down for others. <laughs> that's no fun, but I really do think that's what he's after. 
Brent, I have things that I want to do, things that I want to accomplish. Jesus, listen carefully, Jesus only had one thing that he wanted. And that was to love you. I know you've got important things to do. You've got places to be and shows to make. But the Son of God came to to earth with one agenda. And that was to show you how much he loved you. And he did. He wasn't too busy. He wasn't preoccupied. He didn't have more important things to do. Am I stepping on some toes? I need to see your faces grimace a little. Well, Brent, I got to go to work. I just got to take the kids and I got to go do this. And Man, I don't have time for people in my life. Mm, son of God did. I don't know that you're more than important than him. Jesus had one thing that he wanted to accomplish, and that was to love you. Even when you were unlovable, he loved you. He left the comfort and convenience of heaven to love you. Now all he asks is that you follow him in obedience and that you also love others. Not kindly avoid others, but that you look for ways. I'm going to change up my notes here. That you ask God at the beginning of your day, Lord, give me an opportunity to love like you today. Let's do something crazy and let's bless some people that are otherwise offensive Let's bless some people that are crabby. Let's go bless some unlovable people. That is the result of remaining in the true vine. Then we bear Jesus' fruit, right? Number three, I got to hurry up. Hated because of the true vine, as if I've not already put a bunch of pressure on you guys. Verse 18, hated because of the true vine. If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it, but you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world, so it hates you. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they would listen to you. Here's the deal. We tend to assume that because I think I'm lovable, everybody ought to love me, right? Have you ever done that before? It's like my wife, I, I go home and I tell her, you know, I think I'm hysterical. And she's like, yeah, but not everybody else does. <laughs> I think I'm lovable. Not everybody else always thinks that. We tend to think that because we're lovable that everybody's going to love us. That's not true. Pay attention to the logical progression of the text here. He says, the world hated Jesus first. The world would, the world would love you if you belong to this world, but you don't belong to this world because you were called out of this world. There's a whole sermon there. You don't belong to this world. You have different values than this world. So yeah, the world, the world looks at you and they hate you. Jesus chose you to come out of this world. Therefore, this world hates you. And by the way, you still, the world hates you. Did you catch that? Another, another encouraging word for the day. But you still need to love them because that's what Jesus did. You still need to speak and live the truth of Jesus in front of them. You still are the vessel to shine a little eternal light into their lives. Why? Just because God loves you 
and it makes no sense. But Brent, they don't deserve it. Neither did you. Verse 21, they will do all this to you because of me, because of Jesus. For they have rejected the one who sent me, which would be God the Father. They reject God the Father. We're not going to have anything to do with God. And so God sends his son. We don't want to have anything to do with him either. Verse 22, they would not be guilty if I had not come and spoken to them. They would not be guilty. Everybody say guilty. We're going to come back to that here in a second. But now they have no excuse for their sin. They have no excuse for their sin. Anyone who hates me also hates the Father. If I hadn't done such miraculous signs among them that no one else could do, they would not be guilty. But as it is, they have seen everything I did, yet they still hate me and my Father. This fulfills what is written in the Scriptures. They hated me without cause. Listen carefully, church. Your life of obedience shines a light into the life of those who are disobedient. Your life of obedience shines a light into the life of those who are disobedient. We can allow them to remain in the dark with no light, but that's not the loving thing to do. That's not the redemptive thing to do. Yeah, but Brent, it's the just thing to do. You don't want justice. We've gone through that before. Justice is that you... Don't make it to heaven. Mercy is that God loves you even while you were a sinner and he sent his son to die for you. Our job is to produce our job. Our job is to produce the fruit of Jesus. I thought our job was to correct all of those people and make sure that we point out how sinful they are and how they're going to hell. (laughs) No, our job is to produce the fruit of Jesus, which is what? Love one another. When it is rejected and we are hated, it should be no surprise to us. And it should not detour us from faithfully loving others, even when they hate us without cause. See, it's a very simple concept. It's just impossible to do. It's impossible to do. Therefore, we have number four, the spirit and the true vine. Got four minutes. We're going to make the most of it here. Verse 26, the spirit and the true vine. But, he tells them, they're going to hate you. The world's going to hate you. And that hurts our hearts, right? But, contrast, we're going a different direction now. I, Jesus, will send you, followers of Christ, the advocate, the spirit of truth. They're going to hate you, but what? But the spirit of the living God is going to come and live in you. Do you want the world? Pick one. Do you want the world to like you or God to live in you? Do you want the world to like you or the spirit of the living God to live in you? Y'all are thinking way too hard about this. I don't know. I, I, am, a, I am a people pleaser. This whole, no, I don't, I don't know about this. I will send an advocate to you, the spirit of truth, and he will come to you from the Father and will testify about me, and you will also testify about me because you have been with me from the beginning of my ministry. In spite of the pain and frustration of the world hating those who remain in the vine. Did you catch that? In spite of the pain and frustration, because it does hurt our feelings when people hate us, right? It does. I don't like it. 
In spite of the pain of the world hating us because we remain in the vine, Jesus sends you the spirit of truth to testify about Jesus. He sends the spirit of truth to us, in us, to testify, that the Holy Spirit would testify about Jesus in us and through us in spite of, our, in spite of their rejection, in spite of their hate. Jesus is still concerned that those haters still hear the truth about Jesus and that they still see the love of God demonstrated in those who follow God. It's genius, isn't it? It's like God has a plan for redeeming the world, and he's going to use you to do it. But they hate me. But you have the Holy Spirit in you. Get over it. It's like you get a new Ford F950. (laughs) Your friend gets a Hot Wheel, and you're jealous. Shut up. Does that make sense? I I don't think that there's a Ford 950. I made that up, in case you were wondering. I'm coming in for a landing in the next 10 pages. Jesus has chosen you and I to be the fruit of the vine. We are the grapes, so to speak, okay? We are the ones who have the opportunity to share the sweet salvation of eternal, ever-loving, living God by loving them as Jesus loves us just as the Father loves him. Do you see how that light shines? We're the fruit. Jesus is the vine, but we're the fruit. We're the part that the world sees and tastes and experiences. And whenever they're around us and it's bitter, they're not attracted to the vine. When they're around us and they see us sacrificially love one another, that makes the body of Christ attractive. The same love that runs through the vine from the Father to the Son. Did you catch that? The same love that runs through the vine from the Father to the Son runs through us to others. Jesus is the true vine. So remain in the true vine. Produce fruit consistent with the true vine. Testify. By the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in your life that Jesus is the true vine and that he's attractive and it's a good place to be in the vine. So, we're at the end. We're doing good. Well, we're a little bit over. We're going to stand together. Everybody stand with me. I want you to pray with me. Here's my prayer request. I have one prayer request this morning. We're going to ask God for something crazy. Because he says, if you ask in the name of Jesus, he'll grant it. So we're going to ask ask that God will cause us to genuinely love others as he loves us. Sounds so simple. Let's bow our heads together. Father, this morning you've given us a very clear picture of what it is to be a follower of Christ, to be in your vine. It's a very simple concept, but we know because of human history, we just can't. We can't. So we stand here before your throne this morning with all of our trust and our hope, our confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ, that you will send your Holy Spirit into us, that all of our failures will be covered up by the presence of your Holy Spirit. We ask 
no matter how crazy it sounds this morning, I ask that in every vessel in this building, you would cause us to miraculously love others as you love us. Not just that we would serve them, but we would give up our lives so that they would see the light and the love of the Lord Jesus in our, in our lives. That we would sacrifice everything that we have so that they would know the true vine. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would make our lives filled with the Heavenly Father's love. Father, maybe as we bump into one another and as we bump into people out in the world that maybe our skin gets broken a little bit. Maybe this vessel kind of falls apart and you shine through. People see the glory of God in us because you have so filled us with your Holy Spirit that even when we're broken and we're offended, that your love motivates us to give our lives for others, to serve them, to be with them, to bless them with your goodness. Father, I ask that you transform us into loving vessels in the kingdom of God that transforms the lives of those around us, that our life testifies of the Lord Jesus, and it testifies of the Lord Jesus in such a way that others recognize that we love in a supernatural way. God, transform us. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Lord, I ask in the mighty name of Jesus, believing with all of my heart that you are the God who grants our requests. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You have been listening to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message. We meet on Sunday mornings at 1030 a.m. on Main Street in Farmington, New Mexico. If you'd like more information, please visit our website at desertheightschurch.com.